This is Generation Education. Join educator Ruth Baynott Mondays at 11 a.m. as she explores modern parenting, physical, emotional, and social development from pregnancy through adulthood. Mondays at 11 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to Ruth Baynott and this is 101.9 High FM Generation Education. So next up, we're going to be chatting with physiotherapist Dahlia Marcus. Now, Dahlia, she is a physiotherapist with a special interest in pediatrics, particularly neurodevelopmental, with primary focus from newborn to preterm. And in Dahlia's words, she says, I love my profession and I may have studied all the theory, but the children are my biggest teachers that is such a lovely, lovely expression. Welcome, Dahlia. Thank you. Hello, Ruth. Nice to be here. Great to have you here. So, Dahlia, we're going to be chatting about children and early intervention, children and having therapy, and obviously focusing on physiotherapy. But before we go any further, I actually want to ask you, and a lot of parents often actually ask this question, what is the difference between physiotherapy and occupational therapy? Basically, we didn't study the same degree, so there is a difference, um, <laughs> which is important to note because um, people, yes, there are similarities and yes, there are overlaps. Um, but when it comes to occupational therapy, I'm not going to claim that I understand exactly what they do because they are really professionals in exactly what they do. But I can try and explain what they do. Um, as best as I understand it. So when it comes to occupational therapy, they are, I'd say, the professors of the sensory system of the nervous system. And they basically understand everything when it comes to how the brain interprets the, um, the sensory inputs that we get from our surroundings and then how does that affect the motor output. So how does that affect our everyday function. If one isn't able to regulate the information that is coming into the brain, then it's going to affect, obviously, what the child puts out um, in okay. terms of their functional abilities. So they do a lot of sensory regulation for a sensory dysregulated child. I often explain it um, that a child sitting in a classroom is supposed to be listening to the teacher, but then there's a gardener outside mowing the lawn. And many of us are able to filter what is important, i.e. the teacher talking, but we're also able to like shut off the gardener in the mowing the lawn so we can listen to what the teacher's saying. But a child right. that that's is such, Yeah, that's such a lovely explanation of kids with sensory and of what an occupational therapist does. So they're moving on to physiotherapy. Can yes. you just enlighten us on that? Okay, so in terms of physiotherapy, um, we focus, um, so we, we separate it into physiotherapy for the typical child, the typical developing child, and then physiotherapy for the atypical developing child. Um, because physiotherapy, um, pediatric physiotherapy is very broad. It focuses, so a child that is a normal developing child, but with a low tone, or a weak core is going to present differently and require different treatment compared to a child that has got cerebral palsy or a Down syndrome. So if we're looking at a typical developing child with some um, motor issues, such as a low-tone child, 
then we would focus on strengthening that core, um, which is the foundation for everything else. Yeah. And then obviously the atypical child is much more complex. When we talk about a child with low core, what exactly are we talking about? Everyone comes, the, you know, the teachers refer the moms, my yeah. child's got weak core. That's great. But what are we talking about? What is core? So core is central. It's everything, you know, it's important. We talk about the core and it's just, you know, it's flashing lights. It's important. So what is it? In terms of physical development, it's your, it's everything that holds us together. So it's your central component. So it primarily consists of the muscles, your diaphragm, your pelvic floor, your muscles in the front of your abdominals, and your back muscles at the back. And basically, it is the foundation to everything and how everything else moves. So if you've got a strong core, a strong foundation, the bricks of your house will hold beautifully. But if your foundation isn't steady, then the bricks will hold for a certain amount of time, but they're ultimately going to topple. And, you know, how we say it is that the foundation, it lasts when there's not a lot of stress on it. So it lasts well, you know, the nursery school kids, you don't necessarily notice that they've got a core issue. But then, you know, you get the foundation, more of the foundation is required when the child goes to primary school, because that's when, you know, they're required to sit at the desk and they're required to focus. You've actually touched on what I actually, what I wanted to ask you. And I actually want to come back just now to the core. Cause I mean, there's so much to ask and so much involved with this, but I want to actually go back to where you were talking about children in nursery school and go even a little bit further back. So now parents, they're looking at their child and they're thinking, Oh, my child's got a problem. They've read the book and it says, My child should be sitting at eight months and crawling at nine months and walking at 12 months and their child isn't typical to the book. Or they're worrying that maybe the child is sitting funny or crawling funny or doing something that they just feel concerned about. What would be then that parent that hasn't yet got their child at school? What would then be their next step? Should they go for an assessment? So I always say that parents know best. And when parents have a hunch that something's not right, it's generally good to go for an opinion. You know, um, we're not all professionals in everything, so it's always good to seek advice from those that have studied it. You know, there's it's called developmental milestones because it's what is termed normal, as in a typical developing child should be sitting by six months, should be crawling by between eight and nine months. But there is always a leeway of, you know, a month here, a month there, because not every child develops exactly to the book but when your child is you know really not making progress 11 months old not crawling or you know five months old not moving how like not even trying to roll not lifting up their head you know those are all red flags Um, the pediatricians are amazing and they really are good at picking up issues and referring further but if you feel like your child isn't meeting those milestones, then just go to a physio and let them screen them for any abnormalities. Right. So, so basically what you're saying is that early intervention, catch something, 
before it becomes a bigger issue later on. Absolutely. Um, and rather let the physio tell you there's nothing wrong, you know, and you've got nothing to worry about, then leave it too late. Yeah, I, I always like to say rather a neurotic mom than a sorry mom. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Dalia, the no, other thing I wanted to ask you now, um, a lot of the time, and I've heard this over the years so many times where the teacher will recommend that the child needs to have an assessment. And straight away, you'll hear the parents saying, oh, that's school. They send every child for an assessment. Or that therapist, they're just doing it for the money. What are your views on that? So I'll tell you that we, so the teachers have been in their profession for a very long time. They know what is required of a child to function optimally. They watch the child in the playground they see is the child um, navigating um, the jungle gym. Are they, um, you know, are they able to keep an upright posture when she's doing story time or whatever? So if she says that there is an issue, then believe it that there is an issue when there is a specific task, and the tasks you do at home and the tasks that are required of you in a classroom are not the same. Parents can say, yes, there's nothing wrong with my child. He goes to soccer practice three times a week. You know, he runs and jumps on the jungle gym. He's very active at home. But what is the quality and the endurance of those muscles? How are they able to, yes, he might go to soccer practice. Is it translating to the classroom? And is it translating to being able to sit at the desk? Is it, you know, is he tiring so he can only play five minutes at break time? Just because your child's active at home or does extramurals, it doesn't mean that the endurance of those core, those long-standing stability muscles are strong enough to withstand an eight-hour school day or a 45 minutes of sitting at a desk and writing, which is your proximal right. muscles and your distal muscles. Right. So trust the teacher because they see the child in a different environment that is demanding of different things to the home. And it's going to make your child's school experience so much easier by having that extra support. Absolutely. And the physio... You know what, just because a child is termed low tone, it doesn't mean that they're going to need physio. Physio helps for children where it is affecting them functionally. So if they are, you know, we always ask the moms, okay, this is fine, but is your child struggling to to sit up in class? Is your child, are they complaining, his handwriting, it starts off good, but then it becomes illegible, you know, and that's because the muscles you know, they can work for a short period of time, but after 15 or so minutes, they cannot hold the child up anymore and the handwriting suffers. You know, that's where it goes. It's They can spot that the child might be okay now, but when the environment becomes more demanding and that foundation needs to hold, those bricks will fall off. Right, and I can only imagine that also would affect the concentration because they're so busy trying to concentrate on keeping their core and staying still or trying to get the muscle to work that they're actually overusing their concentration. Exactly. And that's often when the kids get termed ADD or ADHD. Um, but it's not necessarily that they have an attention problem. It's that they are unable to maintain their attention because their physical structure is not withholding as it should. Or the OT, like the sensory system, the child's unable to filter what it's supposed to, 
and then they their mind wanders off to the gardener mowing the lawn. And that's when the, where the two, the occupational therapy and the physiotherapy, actually work really well together. They complement each other. I suppose the one's very much the gross motor and the other one more fine motor and sensory. On that note, I actually want you to ask you, and this is where we can actually test your theory and <laughs> see how much you remember from your uh, days at varsity. <laughs> But, you know, for the layman, there's so many terminologies that we hear out there, you know, low tone and core strength and bilateral integration, all the different terminologies. I wanted to ask you just a couple of the more commonly heard ones. If you could give us just a quickie sort of like a layman explanation, if that makes sense. So first of all, gross motor and fine motor. So gross motor refers to the larger muscle activities. So jumping, skipping, riding, um, you know, it's, it involves more of the gross, the larger muscle groups. Um, your fine motor is more, it, it's fine, so it's smaller. Um, so it's everything like your handwriting will be your fine motor. Doing buttons will be fine motor. So it's more, a more complex, um, smaller motor activity, if that makes any sense. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Your big muscles, your small muscles. Yes. Um, the other one that one hears quite commonly is your vestibular system. Can you tell us a bit about or give an explanation about the vestibular? So the vestibular system is, it refers to your ears, basically. Um, and it's, and it's kind of your ears give you a sense of where you are in space. And if your vestibular system isn't working appropriately, you, that's when you often get dizzy. You go off balance, um, because your, your body, your joints are not actually sure of where they are in relation to the rest of the body. So right. it's the vestibular system myself is a very difficult, um, system to wrap your head around, but it's about the ear and how the ear relates to balance. And with your, I just actually want to ask you on vestibular, is this something that if you start working on it from babies, so getting them to do their somersaulting, their swinging and all those movements, would this help to actually develop the vestibular system or is it something that's a genetic thing? So there's potentially genetics, but it's definitely what you expose your child to. It helps with the development of that of that system. So the vestibular system is actually one of the three systems that forms part of balance. And if your vestibular system isn't mature, it will then affect your balance. Yeah. So it is, and it is obviously if you do your gravity work and your somersaults and all of that, turning you upside down, all of that, so that if your vestibular system is working well, it is one of the components that is. Um, imperative to balance. There's so many questions I want to ask and uh, we're not going to have time for all of it, <laughs> but let me ask just one more in terms of terminology. So with regard to sensory processing, and I know this is, is more kind of your OT side, but can you just explain, because you get auditory, you get visual, you get tactile, just give a brief explanation so parents can understand what we're talking about. Okay, so basically, um, your just in terms of a very simple physiology, um, your sensory system is what gives your brain information. 
So your brain receives information through your eyes, through your mouth, which is your taste, your ears, your auditory, your joints, which is your proprioception, your pain receptors, temperature receptors, etc. Your brain then takes that information that it receives from these systems and it organizes um, all of this information and it takes what it wants or what is needed and then you get your motor output. So that will then cause you to, for example, yeah, so it will then cause you to um, to jump or, you know, to run. Um, you, seeing, you, see, uh, you see something in the road um, and the only way that you're going to avoid it is if you swerve your car. That seeing right. is your vision. Your vision saw it. It told the brain. The brain told you to swerve your car. And right. if you are unable to um, take all of that sensory information, the brain is then unable to process this information, and it then affects what your body actually performs. I get it. So it's about the brain saying, understanding what's happening around you, taking in the info, sending it to your body and your body reacting. Exactly. Exactly. But information overload is when the child is unable to take all this information, organize it in the brain and give you an appropriate output. There is so much that, I mean, just on that alone, I would love to ask you more questions, but unfortunately we are running out of time. So just one last thing that I wanted to ask in terms of now the child has come to you for physio and what would you recommend as a pair for parents when the teacher has said, go for physio, they're now at physio. I mean, obviously, it's probably how long is a piece of string, but generally, how long do you find that you need to be with a child for them to actually move on, if that's the correct way of me saying it? Yes. So it really, really depends, like you said, the piece of string, and it really is child dependent. Tone is something that you don't fix. Tone is the natural resting state of a muscle. It's the natural tension within a muscle. It's hereditary. If you've got a lower tone, you're not going to change that tone. But what it is telling you, it's your postural tone. It's the ability for your body to keep you upright against gravity. So if that tone is low, your muscles are going to have to work extra hard to keep you up against gravity. So that's to keep you in the classroom, sitting upright for eight hours, writing, concentrating. So if, um, so that, like I say, that tone is not going to change. So it's not like the mother comes and says, we went to physio, they fixed the tone problem. So what the physio did was the physio made them stronger and they activated the necessary core muscles that were not activating to improve your muscle endurance and your muscle strength, which improved your daily activities and your function. Dalia, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say that we've run out of time. That's (laughs) fine. Thank you. Definitely going to ask you to come and join us again at a later stage. There's so much always to discuss on this subject, but it's been fantastic chatting with you. Thanks for having me, Ruth. And that was Dalia Marcus, and we were chatting about physiotherapy and early intervention and looking after your child.